Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Adjusting to Life podcast, where inspiration comes to life. I'm your host, Dr. Lorona Gore, and today I'll be talking with my special guest, Mrs. Courtney Harbinson Roberts of Gastonia, North Carolina, a 2021 kidney transplant recipient. Hello, Ms. Roberts, and welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? I am doing well. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I hope you are as well. I am. I am. I'm excited about this um, interview today. So let's start off by you telling us a little bit about your your family and what life is like for you now. Um, so, yes, I'm, I am currently married. I've been married for, um, it'll be 19 years in November. Um, we have one daughter. She actually just turned 19 okay. um, on August the 20th. Okay. Uh, we're very active, very active. We actually have um, four um, dogs, all <laughs> like small children, um, <clears throat> that are very spoiled. And uh, like I said, we're very, very active uh, family, very busy. We're very active with our church and um, doing different community activities as far as like um, outreach uh, for food ministry um, and different things of that nature. Um, and so those just things that kind of we like to do. We have to get out sightseeing and travel. Um, that's kind of one of our hobbies is the sightseeing. We all of us, we, yeah, we enjoy sightseeing um, and just having a good time together. Awesome, awesome. I also want to add that you can also sing. So you're also a oh. <laughs> she's a PK kid. So she's I am a, a PK. She's mm-hmm. a PK. Um, those who don't know, that's a pastor's kid or preacher's kid. Um, she <laughs> attends um, Christ Community Baptist Church where her father is Pastor Ronald Harbertson and her mom is First Lady Lamona Harbertson. I met them there. And the family is absolutely amazing. The church family, absolutely amazing. If you're in the Gastonia area, hey, you want to go um, enjoy the Lord, that's the best place to be. Okay. So um, before you experienced your... Um, kidney failure. You were diagnosed with lupus SLE, or that SLE stands for systemic lupus erythematosus. So what are the signs and symptoms of lupus did you experience, and when did that start? Okay. Um, well, initially, um, prior in 2009, um, I, was, I had bronchitis, which ended up turning into bilateral pneumonia um, very quickly, very quickly, um, and that kind of... Um, was a question in the air, kind of like an elephant in the room with my uh, doctors at the time, because mm-hmm. prior to that, I was seemingly, you know, healthy. I didn't really have any issues that would make it rapidly, you know, uh, change from just uh, simple bronchitis that it went to, um, you know, full-blown bilateral pneumonia with both of the, uh, you know, lungs were completely full. Um, so that was a, a definitely... Um, the first symptom, but, you know, initially I'm just thinking, I have pneumonia, we're going to take these antibiotics, do the breathing treatments, and we'll be past it. So that was in um, November of uh, 2009, still suffering with it um, on the strongest antibiotics through November, December, at the beginning of January, still uh, going through that. Mm-hmm. Maybe about February, we kind of started to subside. I was still, you know, struggling a little bit with, you know, there's a little bit of shortness of breath and things of that nature, but still not really putting two or two together that there was something additional mm-hmm. um, that could have been an issue. Um, fast forward a little bit, um, started noticing that I had uh, some lymph nodes that were not 
um, were just kind of came up in different places, like in the back of my head, behind my ear, under my arms, um, you know, triggering the, the idea that we needed to investigate a little further, um, because then my appetite began to decrease. Weight loss was pretty rapid um, with no, you know, real reason other than just the appetite loss. So uh, after doing a PET scan and they found that there were very many, uh, quite quite a few lymph nodes um, that were that were inflamed uh, all around the body. So we uh, did a, a biopsy, actually had two biopsies, uh, one from the neck and one under the arm just to kind of, you know, determine where, where we needed to kind of go. Mm-hmm. During the meantime, I was started, had started going to a chiropractor because I started having joint issues where I couldn't um, grab or squeeze or um, things like that, that, you know, still, again, not really being aware. And also, you know, uh, at that time, the providers that I was using were on two different healthcare uh, systems. So those systems at that time, they didn't talk to each other. So, you know, just from me telling, you know, things weren't adding up. It just mm-hmm. didn't click. Um, at the time and um, even after the biopsies did the biopsy uh, just you know all it was showing was that it was a you know autoimmune disorder but didn't know exactly which one and then finally I have went back because uh, it was like the pneumonia still had those um, the just traces of it uh, in the in the lungs from my pulmonologist at the time and he was very old school I always uh, kind of attribute fast forwarding to figure out what exactly was wrong was from um, uh, the doctor at the time was Dr. Murphy. He was very old school because he never used a tablet. Everything in the whole office was still by paper. Like my chart was super thick, like almost like an encyclopedia because he was still very much old school. And I, I thanked him for that because he was, he was finally like, we're going to figure out what this is. We can't, we can't keep going on and on and not we have um, to, we're going to pause for just a second we're going to pause uh-oh. not a, hold on hold on hold that thought there's a call coming in this is the problem with the audio this thing if a phone call comes in then it kind of then we can pause it hold on no. Okay, carry on. Okay. Okay. Um, and and he just really just was like, okay, we're gonna figure this out. Did additional testing, sent me to um uh hematologist at that point, which mm-hmm. was on a different uh uh provider's network mm-hmm. and um just still, you know, she was the one that determined that it was autoimmune, but, you know, lupus mimics so many other dis, uh, autoimmune disorders that just didn't, couldn't quite determine what exactly it was. Um, just gave me some ideas of what it could have been, but not able to pinpoint until the, mm-hmm, until the summertime. And then that's whenever I really had declined. I had started missing work and that was just like unlike me or being at work and not being able to function or get up out of my chair or anything like that. Just, just, just trying to maintain a daily life had became um, a struggle. Um, and then I, what were some mm-hmm. of the, what were some of the symptoms that you were experiencing? 
Um, so I had the the weight loss started, and I thought, oh, I'm just I'm just doing, you know, <laughs> something good to help myself out. Right. You know, just kind of making jokes about that. I've been going to have the weight loss, and then I started noticing, like, once I got to my desk in the mornings, or if I needed to get up, then I couldn't like push myself up out of my chair mm-hmm. to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started rolling my little chair around everywhere. And, you know, people thought, you know, what is wrong with you? And I'm wondering, too. But mm-hmm. I had, was going to the chiropractor, too. So they were saying that maybe I was out of alignment. So I did, you know, a few different treatments with them. It helped. Um, I have problems, you know, just helping my daughter with basic, like, hair and things like that, getting her ready. Um, and um, ex- I had extreme exhaustion, like extreme fatigue. Um, at the time I thought my dad had a part-time cleaning business and I was helping him, but it would be to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't help him. I, I just couldn't get myself together to be able to move to, you know, make any, make any progress to get out of bed. Or once I sat down, it was like, I could not move anymore. Um, still with having, uh, some more, um, respiratory issues where I was constantly having to take, uh, breathing treatments, um, you know, and just things of that nature. I started to have a lot more joint pain, physical pain. Um, then I was just trying to self-medicate with Tylenol or um, ibuprofen at the time that I was still able to take it. Um, just things, things of that that nature. Um, just like I say, you just I didn't know, so you just keep maintaining to maintain. You know, to stay, keep your head above water. So you were diagnosed with what year were you diagnosed with? with? In um, June of 2010. 2010, okay. 2010. Mm-hmm. So from 2010 until 2023? So you've pretty mm-hmm. much been dealing with the symptoms from the, the lupus. And I know um, three of, well, two of the major symptoms is um, chronic pain and extreme fatigue. And then mm-hmm. later on, it can develop into kidney failure, which is what you actually experienced. It so is, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2018, I um, um, was really hit kind of hard with a lot of um, low platelets. Um, I was struggling to, I guess, the body itself was struggling to keep replenishing that, mm-hmm. um, uh, that the platelets for me. So I was taking different shots, different medications, had uh, platelet transfusions just to try to help maintain that. It would work. Um you know, it was kind of, it was like a Band-Aid, so it, it worked for that little bit of time, and then they would drop to the, you know, to the point that they were, you know, really concerned about internal bleeding and things of that nature, or, you know, don't hit, or don't get hit by accidentally, or, you know, because that could shift something in, internally. Um, so I started treatment for, um, for the low platelets, and then, uh, and it was right before Christmas of 2018, I went into the hospital just thinking that I was going to get a probably a blood transfusion, a platelet transfusion, mm-hmm. um, a solumel, solumel draw drip, just things I already knew that was the, the little trick, I guess, to make you kind of feel better enough to, to leave the hospital. But mm-hmm. once I got there, that's when they realized that my kidneys were incomplete kidney failure um and that at the at our local hospital that was there was no more that they could do so um they kind of just kind of 
shrug their shoulders and we're just going to send you on to uh, one of the larger hospitals in our area, which is um, Atrium Health in Charlotte. So I was transported, which originally, you know, the doctor told me she was going to transport me. It was no rush. We were just going to move you. You know, you're going to just take your time. And then I guess by the time my blood work got back, that she did, really didn't like what she saw. We were emergency um, sent there straight to ICU um, because we were going to have to start dialysis that night um, to begin to try to uh, clear my body of all the toxins and the extra fluid and things of that nature. So that began my dialysis journey. Um, actually, December the 23rd of 2018, I started my dialysis journey, um, and I continued through that until uh, the transplant in August of 21. And then um, the Lord blessed me early Tuesday, early a Tuesday morning. He called. I actually, they called from the um, hospital, and I missed the call because I'm thinking it's probably six o'clock in the morning, why would they be calling me? So I called back and no one answered. So I just kind of laid back down. Um, and then they called me back to let me know that I needed to come as quickly as possible, that there was a, a possible match. However, I did not need to get my hopes up because there was someone else in front of me that needed both the kidney and the liver from the from the patient mm-hmm. so but that's you know I still went um arrived there they still told me the whole time you know don't get her hopes up because someone else needs everything so you know I'd already have been called prior to in like 20 for a, a possible kidney but that's when my plate issue was still going on so I wasn't able to get that one so I don't know. I, it takes a lot for me to get overly excited. And because I've been in that situation before where it didn't work out, uh, I didn't want to over get overly excited. I didn't want to spread the news and anything like that. Um, like you said, I am part of a choir at my church, so we have a very strong bond. So that was who I first mentioned it to, that I just asked for prayer. I didn't go into detail. I just asked that, you know, that, the God, that God just oversee the situation and make the right that I'm, you know, in place for the right time. If this is for me, it's going to be for me. Nobody asked questions. They just did it. So, and so, well, that brings me to, I want to interject a question here. Um, so between 2009, 2010, up until you um, got diagnosed with kidney failure, obviously that was a lot going on. So, could you talk about how did that impact your family? I know you had a, a baby, and, and just mm-hmm. how did that? How did you deal with that? Um, well, I'm I'm thankful for them. I think that um, it was a learning process for them as well, just to kind of recognize symptoms that they noticed when um, I wasn't feeling good, even if I would keep pushing forward. Um, if I was, you know, resting too much or think, you know, more than normal, not too much, never too much rest, but, um, maybe a little bit more than normal. Or if I, um, began to wheeze, um, in, in seasons when you really wouldn't, you know, expect you to be wheezing, just things that they began to pick up on. They were definitely a great support to notice things that I had just gotten accustomed to living with. Um, just kind of tell me to slow down or make sure I, you know, get this medication or what did the doctor say or, you know, what can we do to help you so that we can all get through this together? Um, my daughter is a, a tremendous help. She being young, but 
she wanted to learn. She was curious. She knew that, you know, mom kind of had some things going on, but, you know, she's still going to be mom. I, I can right. still go to her and ask her. She's going to help me with whatever I need, even on my worst days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, uh, Naraya was able, and because my husband at the time worked, he, he was working third shift. So she was with me a lot. So she experienced a lot firsthand. I believe that, you know, most children are not, they're not in the forefront to have to deal with, right. um, you know, having to wheel me into the hospital because my dad had dropped me off and he had to park the car and she's having to try to help explain at the age of maybe seven or eight what's going on. Why why are we here? You know, those things I, I remember, they, they kind of make you emotional to think that she had to be that. But at the same time, I think it's built her character she's very um, empathetic and she's such a helpful person even um learned how to help me when I did the home diagnosis um the home dialysis mm-hmm. but um I, I have a great support system my my parents mm-hmm. um my husband and and his parents they've always been willing to help me um and help us to learn what we need to do to you know um not have flare-ups or or he's always like, did you put on sunscreen? Do you have a big hat? How long are you going to be outside? You know, you don't need to be, you know, in direct sunlight. Mm-hmm. Just things of that, that nature. I think we all learn together. Right. Um, and I think we all research together trying to figure out, okay, what is this? And how do we meet it head on to make sure it's not going to overtake mean it's not going to overtake our family as our lifestyle and things. Yeah, we might have to slow down a little bit, but we're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you think that when you were diagnosed with, with lupus um, and your life changed as a result from that, and then do you think when you went through that phase that that helped you whenever you actually went through the um, the kidney failure? I do. I think that because I had already been through so much, learned mm-hmm. through, learned a lot, researched a lot, I think it uh, prepared me to be able to face whatever was next because I already knew um, everybody's story is different with lupus. Everybody faces different struggles within the, you know, within the disease. So I think it prepared me to be, you know, able to face, okay, if this next flare up is something I haven't experienced, we're going to, we're going to still just tackle it head on. I'm going to keep pounding. I'm going to keep moving Um, because I knew, you know, that, it had attacked my kidneys early on, mm-hmm. but my goal in my head was, okay, but we're not ever going to get to this dialysis stage. That was our, that was our goal is never get to this dialysis stage. And then here we end up being in dialysis mm-hmm. and you hear, you know, I heard from my doctor, my nephrologist and, you know, just people that I had met along the journey that have been in dialysis and just talking about how you never want to be here, but you don't realize how bad you never want to be there, how they're, trying to let you know until you're there and you experience it, you know, firsthand. And it's just like, no, this is not, I can't, I can't stay here. I can't. I think that that was probably the hardest of even the joint pain and just getting to the point of kidney failure and all the other things and symptoms that I endured, but getting to dialysis and going to that clinic three times a week for four hours was probably the hardest of all that I had to endure. Mm-hmm. That is it's difficult because it's tasking on your um, on your body. Mm-hmm. 
it's very it's very hard to deal with your body and then once you're home it's like you're still dealing with the after effects of what you just endured um and so i mean i do i definitely think that it prepared me to be able to go through those uh, almost two years of dialysis um to be able to make sure i'm not going back like i am doing what I need to do, uh, you know, just continue to stay prayed over God, do this medication as much as I hate taking pills. I am not going back. Right. That was my next question. Uh, I wanted to talk about your faith, but um, what role did your faith play in your life journey? Oh, definitely. Um, my faith, I already had great faith. I already had, you know, great faith going into that, but I think that or I know that, that had it not been for my faith and my believing in Christ and knowing that, you know, he alone put me here and I know that he is going to get me through all of everything that I'm going to face, mm-hmm. things I would have ever thought I would have ever faced. I never thought that, you know, at by this time in my life that this would be what I would go through. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, well, if you Put me in this situation. There's a reason, and I should right. be able to go through it. Um, but I definitely feel like it it grew my faith yes. um, to be able to, you know, still shed a few tears, um, you know, along the journey. You know, it never was always, you know, rainbows and mm-hmm. pretty days and stuff. But I definitely think that even though, you know, I allow myself the time to um, – I think in a sense it's like almost – grieve what you what you knew life to be and then you realize okay then maybe there's something on the other side of why I'm, I'm grieving that 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 part of my life mm-hmm. but there's you know you know in that there's a new life there's new um it's a new beginning on the other side so I think that that definitely helped me just growing my faith learning to just uh continue to trust God no matter how how bleak it looked, how sad I got, how much I hurt, how, you know, how many questions that I had. I just had to continue to trust God. I knew that my family, um, you know, continued to pray for me, uh, extended family, even even my work family mm-hmm. uh, at the time and all the other, you know, friends that I had made that been with me through the journey. I knew that we all believed and we had faith that God was going to bring me through the journey Though it may not be pretty, we were going to make it. Yes, yes. I like how you said that. Um, you said it, that you kind of mourned the life that you wanted or you had before because you now you know it's never going to be exactly the same. No. But mm-hmm. you still believe that on the other side of this, it's still going to be great. And I think right. that's the, the beauty of it whenever you go through something like this uh, or what you went through, what I went through. Um you do view life differently, but it's not in a bad way. I think on, from a spiritual standpoint, um, you actually feel a little bit closer to the Lord or you feel, mm-hmm. you see, you, you view life a little differently in a good mm-hmm. way. In a great way. And I do. I think that, I think it's like, I was just so carefree and we just, mm-hmm. you know, we had a good time, even though I was going to church, I Bible study, I'm in Sunday school, I was teaching Sunday school and I'm doing all this and that. But I feel like it just, I'm just like, it's just, okay, I don't even have to think and question. Like, I know I'm going straight to God. We're going to figure this out. He's going to, it might not be the answer that I'm thinking he's going to give me, or it might not be right then and there. But at the end of the day, when the answer comes, it's like, okay, I see, I see. You know, I just got to continue to keep trusting and, you know, just have you. I think 
as you live life, like today is the last day, like because literally it could, for any situation, could be your last time. But mm-hmm. it definitely grows your faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what advice would you give someone who's been diagnosed with a life-altering disease such as lupus or kidney failure? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely would just um, don't give up. I think that anytime you hear a diagnosis, your first thought is to go to um, the worst. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not going to make it or, you know, this is not this going to be the end for me. You can't look at you can't look at it like that. You have to have an optimistic side and believe that. If, you know, whatever the situation is that you're going to be facing, you've got to go go in it with a positive attitude that you're going to work toward making sure that you're doing what you need to do. You're going to uh, push forward. Um, do your own research outside of what maybe the doctors have to say. Do your own research. See things that you can try to help yourself. Um, and then, you know, like I say, my, my face it was, was great and still is great. Um, lean on others that... Um, or want to encourage you, not just, you know, just say, oh, you know, such and such passed from this and um, they didn't do well in this case. Okay, but that's, that's, that's that person. I'm, I'm in a different situation. This is how I'm going to breathe life to myself and, and keep pushing forward to, um, like I say, run and see what the end's going to be. We're, that's, that was their situation. We're going to, we're making a new mark. We're, we're trailing ahead. We're, we're on our own destiny to make sure that I'm going to do everything that I can to stay here for, for my family, for myself, and to see what I can do, who I can impact. And I think that you just have to look at it like that. Like, yes, it might be life-altering, but it, it could be in a good way. Absolutely. You make it into a positive way. Let somebody, let your life be um, an encouragement or inspiration for others to see that, okay, if God put me in this situation and they're, they're thriving, I can do it too. I can move, you know, forward and go on despite what somebody's uh, outlook is or what they think that I'm going through. I'm going to keep smiling. I might be hurting. (laughs) I might not feel well, but I'm going to keep smiling because if I, I always feel like if I stop moving, if any of the times that I've, all that I've been through, if I would have stopped moving, I wouldn't be here. Well, I know. So you've got to keep pressing forward. Right. I know when I met you, uh, I never would have thought that you would do <laughs> any of that. If they saw you, they would have, they wouldn't know. And, mm-hmm. and that speaks volumes about your faith. That speaks volumes about your resilience and how you, um, you're going through your journey because it, it continues. And, and you can tell you, you're blessed. You're just a light. And I appreciate you. Um, so tell us, what do you do for fun? <laughs> um, for fun. Um, I actually enjoy, and I just did one um, for our mutual friend. Um, I enjoy wedding coordinating and planning. And I just started um, um, a small catering with okay. my uh, cousin. Uh, we do some uh, catering. So I enjoy doing that. And I enjoy reading and, of course, shopping. So those are the things that awesome. I enjoy um, doing for fun. Okay, okay. Oh, you did you did an excellent job on the wedding. Thank that was oh, well, thank Absolutely. you. I appreciate that. Okay, uh, what motivates you? Um, I definitely think I'm motivated by my family, um, mostly my my daughter, because I want her to see that, um, you know, despite you know what she has seen me go through, or you know, um, and my dad, you know, who had had a stroke we, we still kept moving so no matter what it is that you are facing what you're dealt with or the cars that you're dealt 
I want you to keep moving. I want you to see that that's not where you have to stay. So I feel like that motivates me. It motivates me to, to see where, what I can do next. What, what can yes. I tackle next? Which is my next question. What's next for you? You what know, I don't know. Do? I don't, I, um, open. I, I'm open. I really enjoy, um, <clears throat> like I said, we do work with, uh, our community outreach with our food ministry. That is something I really, um, I got really immersed in once I was, began doing dialysis. Um, I got really more hands-on with it. And I just, I really enjoy helping people. Right now, I'm currently um, working as a teacher assistant, well, a co-teacher. So I have my own classroom um, at our local, one of our local middle schools. And just to see the need, and I'm not even really just speaking of educational, because that in in part is great, but the need for, I don't know, like encouragement or just somebody to talk to, because somehow with me even being new, like they are are drawn to me to just tell me things. I enjoy helping people and just listening, being a listening ear, and you know, I, I can give you my advice. Advice is just advice. If you take it, that's what you do. But just being able to be there for people. So I think that's my next, my next. I want to be in a place, in a position where I can help others um, do do for themselves, encourage themselves, um, motivate themselves, um, and just be an inspiration. Wonderful. Well, you're definitely doing that. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so as you reflect back over your life, say from start from 2010 to now, what words come to mind? If you had to give me two or three words to kind of. Um, definitely, probably resilience. You mentioned that before, resilience. Um, just just thinking about, just now, just, just now kind of even thinking about from uh, a decade, a little over a decade, just to think that I've, just been able to make it, uh, just been able to thrive, um, just been able to survive, just been able to survive, you know, some nights, I, I mean, I always used to, some nights when they were just real bad and I just did not know when I closed my eyes if on the next morning I, where I would wake up. I just had, I just, I'm thankful for being able to survive. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love it. So resilience, thriving, and surviving. That, that sums yep. it up. Awesome, yep. awesome. All right, well, Miss. Courtney Roberts, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time to join me today and sharing your powerful testimony and to be an inspiration to others. Your resilience and your strength is empowering, and I pray that God will continue to bless you as you continue to bless others. Uh, so before we go, do you have any last words? Um, keep pounding. That's my um, motto. Keep pounding. Keep moving. Okay. Okay. Uh, keep living. Awesome. Awesome. Well, concludes our show for today. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. Please be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for the upcoming podcast for another inspirational interview. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed with a life-altering health condition and is in need of mental, emotional, and spiritual support, please visit ljgm.org to find out more about the Alabama Gospel Ministry Support Group, Miracles in Motion. The support you need is just a click or call away. Be encouraged and never stop believing and just know that you are not alone.